0: Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turning to Him. I am Zach Batty, and I am here with Sierra Silva. Sierra. how are you doing?
1: I am doing so good
0: <laughs> i'm I'm glad we're recording this on the daylight savings transfer time, so I'm glad that we were able to make the connection. We are either both turned our clocks or we both didn't turn our clocks, so I did not <laughs> <laughs> okay well either way, it worked out well. Tell us a little bit about yourself,
1: yeah, so I'm actually a senior at. BYU, Idaho, in Rexburg. Um, I'm studying marriage and family studies, and I graduate this upcoming July. Um, I'm actually from Southern California, Los Angeles area. If you don't know where that is, just look up Mojave Desert or Palmdale. You just get a brown desert area. That is literally where I'm at. So that's where I'm from. Um, I'm actually the youngest of six kids. So like, I got to be raised by five dads and two moms in a way in my family. And I'm actually an aunt, soon to be 16 nieces and nephews, ranging from almost a year to 10 years old this August. Oh,
0: congratulations. That's got to be fun. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, well, what what took you from L.A. to BYUI? <laughs>
1: um, well, God, <laughs> really. <laughs> um, I vowed to never go to college in idaho like to byu idaho especially because three of my brothers lived here and they went to school here so a lot of faculty read my last one they're like ah
0: we know you i know, know who you
1: are and i'm like great <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay but, yeah. right, well, i want to i want to hear that story but i want to hear it in context so <laughs> tell us about growing up in la um were your parents members? Were you raised in the church? How yeah, I
1: was raised in the church, actually. Um, my parents are both converts before they met. So technically, me and my siblings were all first born generation, born in the covenant in in a temple marriage. So, like, we're the first generation on both sides in a way. And I was raised in a valley where my dad and my mom went to high school, but during a different time, my dad was four years older than my mom. So like they barely missed each other, but at the same time, kind of funny story before my mom met my dad, my dad dated her older sister before they met. (laughs) So that right there is actually a very funny small world. How my dad's like, yeah, I knew about your mom. I just, didn't know who she was because I went on a couple of days with her sister.
0: Right, so, that well, makes family reunions fun, I'm sure.
1: So fun! I get to hear weird stories I never hear, or even the same ones I've heard multiple times where I'm like, oh, I know where this is going, and there's a new situation where I'm like, I don't know that happened. Like that wasn't added in last time. Yeah. So it's like new bits of information were added in. But um, growing up in that area, especially in the high desert county part of Los Angeles. It was a very unique time, really. Um, the church is a huge minority group up up there in that area because in my high school, I was in a graduating class of 850 students, and maybe 20 students were members of the church. Wow. So I was more welcomed by non-members because they're like they didn't know that my beliefs were very similar to theirs, but in a way different at the same time. And I was very well known in my Valley. My family were really well known because my dad did real estate majority of my life. And my dad has held several leadership callings from stake level to ward level. So like my family were really well known in the tri-stake area. They see my last name and they're like, ah, you're Jonathan Diana's daughter. And oftentimes I meet people that I'm like, ah, yeah, my mom dated you. I know okay. about you. Kind of like a weird, but yet small world situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, both in the community and in the church culture, the Silva family is known.
1: Yes, because all my dad's siblings are in. We're they're in the range of 20 minutes from each other. Okay. So like everyone's like, oh yeah, your uncle does this. I'm like, yeah, he does that. But for my mom's side, um, everyone is in Utah. So like for her, it's like. She made a name for herself because her mom joined the church in that area.
0: Okay. Now, you yeah. had a graduating class of 800. How big was your town that you grew up in?
1: A couple hundred thousand, like 100 to 200, 100,000 in my, in my city.
0: Okay. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Tell me about that.
1: Um, I guess the pressure... So one of the biggest pressures we had to, I had to face myself was the Proposition 8. I was 12. So in 2008, I was 12 when they were trying to legalize gay marriage in the state of California. And it was very hard because I did lose a lot of friends because they didn't see that I still loved the community. But there are some things I didn't fully agree or support, even though I'm like, you know, I'm doing what Christ has done love the sinner not the sin and so I try to do that but I still lost a lot of friends in the church and outside the church so it was it was very hard during my junior high years but as soon as high school hit I found true friendships during that time where I'm I'm still in contact with them but they are like hey I know you've been wanting to get married like Marriage is really big for you, especially in your church. But we hope that one day you do get to find, as we have found that ourselves. Hmm. So it's like, it's hard, but it ended up being such a great inspirational experience where I got to make people's days better in high school. And they knew me as the person who was, it didn't matter where you came from. I don't care about your religion. I don't want to force religion onto you. You don't have to force religion onto me, your beliefs onto me. But I'd rather have a friendship and have a civilized discussion and actually talk about things that really matter in life.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like at a really young age, you were given opportunities to learn how to um, agreeably disagree. Yes. I forget who.
1: There
0: was a general conference talk about that. Do Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: i think i know what you're talking about i don't remember the name either but it was a really good talk it came out maybe in the early to late 2000s i believe i'm not sure but it was a really good talk and ultimately i learned to agree to disagree with people but also have a thick skin where things that may be degrading literally didn't matter to me anymore
0: okay yeah Um, how how did you develop that because there's a, I feel like there's a difference between just forming a callus to where you don't feel it, nothing matters to you, and I don't mm-hmm. know if it's super healthy, as opposed to being able to properly filter out, hey, I'm being attacked here, and I'm not going to let that affect me, but I still am going to let in all the good.
1: Yeah, um, I guess something that happened that really helped me see that was probably my youth program. Um when my family moved into a new ward and I hit young woman's age when I was 12, um, I was not very warmly accepted by young women, Even though I was warmly accepted by the leaders, one of them was actually my mom. She was in the young woman's presidency. And um, it kind of hurt for a long time of either being told or being treated that I didn't matter. and I was not worth anything in my life. Because either they would, girls would use me just to get closer to my brother because my brother was one of the nicest guys. And so they just used me as kind of like the channel to try to get closer to my brother. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, it really did hurt. And I was really negative towards it to the point where I was talking to my brother at the time. And I was like, you know, you're going on your mission. Good for you. I am done trying in the church. I am done trying to be kind to people it's It's gotten to the point where I had to decide if I should stay or leave and
0: How old are you at this point?
1: I was seventeen, so from twelve to seventeen, I was not very warmly accepted,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was very I was mistreated horribly by the young woman, and the presidency were aware of it. My brother didn't know until I told him about it. And he felt like he had to have them apologize to me, but I didn't want that for myself. I would prefer genuinity and the, the intent of their hearts to truly seek forgiveness and to seek apologies. But um, I I was very, I started to close the church doors in my life. I was like, I am done with this. I, I can't do this anymore because the culture and the people, it was just so bad to the point where I was, it was my EFY year that same year, we barely moved into a brand new ward. I was terrified I was gonna be mistreated again by a new ward. But when I went to EFY, um, there was a song that was called Even When You're Broken by Julie Yardley. And that really reopened my eyes and my heart and it taught it, that song basically had the message of like even though all these may be horrible things to you, you are still loved, you are heard, and you are cared about by Jesus Christ. And that song literally saved my testimony and my spiritual well-being that kind of reopened my life, and I got to kind of shake things off ever since.
0: Wow what um i mean you mentioned the song what else though you're 17 years old there are a lot of people that at 17 years old choose the opposite thing that you chose they choose mm-hmm. to be done. They say hey i'm i'm out this isn't for me and whether it's <clears throat> uh they don't get along with a group of youth that they happen to grow up with or they feel like they've outgrown this church thing that their parents rely on or whatever. They they choose to leave. Yeah. Tell us more about that personal journey that you were on and why you chose to stay.
1: It was a very difficult journey. Um, I was still questioning my worth even after that experience. Um, but I guess it started my senior year. When I started to just kind of stop reacting to the way the young women were treating me, especially at school, because we all went, most of us went to the same school in high school, and um, I started to hang out with people who truly cared about me, and I got to see who they truly are as just people. And during my senior year, that was when one young women actually started to change. And, um, she apologized for treating me so harshly because she wanted to be accepted by her brother's girlfriend at the time. And the brother, her brother and her, his girlfriend did end up getting married and she just wanted to be liked by her
0: mm-hmm.
1: and just be accepted. It's like, yeah, I'm being cool too. I'm being mean to a person that for me, I was there for her for a lot of things And we were the same age and I, I really cared about her. And she started to notice that, like, I was slowly fighting myself and my happiness again by just like, just still smiling at at them, even though they were really mean to me. I still was like, it's fine. just want to know how you're doing. And just being kind to them that she saw that I was trying to not the bad things kind of control my life anymore. And um, it was a time where high school, your senior year, you don't know where you're going to go. And she wanted me to be a part of more things in her life, even though maybe a mutual friend did not see that as a positive thing at the time. Mm -hmm. She still wanted to because she noticed that not only was I struggling and trying to find my way back, into my own self worth, she kind of wanted to be a part of that journey. And it happened maybe a few years later, was when I truly started to find joy in myself again. Because it takes time to heal from such hardships, especially for a long period of time. And we still stay in touch once in a while, but she was grateful that I was still that I started to open myself up again and just still try to remain kind, even though my kindness was shut out for a short period of time.
0: Yeah. Sarah. So during this time of, you know, 12 to 17, when you're kind of starting to be in this valley, this deep valley, mm-hmm. who was on your team? Who was there with you?
1: My parents, really. My my mom was the one who brought it up to my dad saying, we need to get her out of this situation. We need to take her out of this ward so that she can be surrounded by young, young women who genuinely love her for who she is. And it was actually a neighboring ward that I was friends with this, with this girl, her name was Marissa. And she, she knew that I was struggling because she saw the way I was being treated at seminary sometimes. And when she found out I was being moved into the ward, she started to be kind to me started to tell the girls, like, hey, you're being really mean to my friend. She's now in my ward. If you mess with her, you have to mess with me because I'm her laurels president. Like, do not mess with her. She is my sister. And I see her as such. And for many years, um, she kind of was there during the situation. And she got to see it. And my best friend, Alexandria, who's actually a non-member, she didn't tolerate it at all. She didn't like people that treated other people with something that is opposite of Christ. And she did not want me to feel that way. So she and I just spent so much time together after school every day to make sure that I felt worth living and worth being loved
0: yeah was there um was there ever a time that you considered self-harm there
1: there were times yes Mm -hmm. that um it got to the point where one of the girls practically told me that I should unalive myself because I was not worth living or worth being loved by God himself that he'll never like love a girl like me and that it's better off. I just don't stay on earth anymore. And that was, that was the part when it hit my mom the most realized that I was in a very dangerous situation. And she started noticing signs that I was more isolated. I was more depressed and it brought great concern to her. Ultimately, then to my dad, who was in the state of presidency, he was over the youth, and he was very heartbroken, seeing his daughter being treated unwelcomed.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you, or uh, let me ask, were you able to separate out the, the culture from the teachings of the church?
1: During that time i just thought that, that was part of the church as well
0: because
1: sure. it was happening for so many years that i'm like maybe this this is a church i mean i'm i'm not truly meant to be part of cuz if the church is like this because of the people are like this i don't want anything to do with it anymore yeah. so like i didn't know i didn't kind of like filter that out until i saw it for myself when i served my mission
0: okay so up until so at at 17 years old we'll kind of rewind you're you're in this valley 12 oh, to yes. 17 is a dark time is a tough time mm-hmm. and um you know unfortunately you find yourself in a group of youth that um well I, I don't want to make light of it um, it's it's an unfortunate situation. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it happens. There are there are pockets out there where there's just un, unacceptable behavior happening in the youth.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, at 17, you tell your brother, "Have fun on your mission." I don't know if I'm sticking around. I don't know if I'm at this church.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then you just mentioned that you went on a mission. So yeah. take, take us from 17. I don't know if I'm sticking around to, hey, Bishop, I want to fill out my mission papers.
1: Um, that's actually a very unique story in its own. And um, when my brother is on his mission, that was the most I felt alone because he was always there to protect me in high school.
0: How much older is this brother?
1: He's two years older than me, so I went to high school with him my freshman and sophomore year. So he was a junior and senior when I was with him. And um, he gave me a little bit of encouragement. I still have one of his emails that I still have saved in my archives. And he told me to study grace and humility I pushed that off for about eight months after he left. So, like, maybe in August, september was when I truly started it. He was still within this first year of his mission. And I started to study grace, and then it turned into um, – having that spear again in my life, because I did not read the scriptures every day during that time. I was very depressed. I just had no motivation whatsoever. And I came across third Nephi about Christ blessing the children and teaching them with the angels. And it was at that moment on New Year's Eve, and during that time, when I was reading Book of Mormon, I read four four books in the Book of Mormon to finish reading it. And that was when the realization hit me of just like, you may be struggling now, but imagine if you stayed in the church and you stayed active and you were actively started actively participating again, you will help so many young women on your mission. By helping them see that you, that they are loved, that they do matter because you have gone through things that may be similar to what they will be going through during that time. And that was maybe by my 18th year, like a whole year later was when I was like, you know what, just because girls may be mean, girls be girls, guys be guys, the culture of the church be the culture of the church. But that is the culture not the doctrine and for three years actually i was working on my mission papers it was an on and off battle because i didn't have the money at the time or i just did not feel personally ready and the lord needed to prepare me more and by my 21st birthday was when i was finishing up my last bits of my mission papers and i got my mission called that may and i got called to serve in utah Utah, of all places, I don't know why, but at that moment, I knew it was for a reason. And I got to help so many young women with so many answers to their questions that I was able to help them with because I knew what it was like to not feel like I was mattered. Like, I was not mattered whatsoever or even loved. So, like, they understood that I knew where they were coming from.
0: Yeah. So it it sounds to me like um, you followed the you followed the, the instructions that we have all heard a thousand times, but because of the simplicity, sometimes it's hard to to apply it into our lives. Of look, if you want to know if it's true, read the scriptures, pray about it, have an honest conversation with God and attend church yeah amazing how that works
1: it is it's like finding your own little something that my mission prize always taught me of if anything if there's any trials find your own little personal sacred grove where you get that peace and that reassurance you need in order to feel that love from him
0: Okay, so you serve your mission in Utah. Sounds like you had a fantastic time there, but you're able to relate to a lot of the young women who probably mm-hmm. are saying, this missionary can't relate to me. This missionary, she doesn't know where I'm at. She doesn't know where I'm coming from. Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Like... You know, oh, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I ended up like when it came to that situation, I loved how you brought that up because... um my there was a it was a joint stake activity where the sister missionaries were doing a q a questionnaire with the young men and the young woman but my me and my companion were signed to a specific ward of young women of maybe 60 girls and after that whole Q&A ended um, this young woman came up to me and she was like You are the reason I was praying to God before this is if my answer is not, if my question is not answered tonight, I will commit suicide tonight. I will end my life. Mm -hmm. And because of the fact that I answered a question, it was an anonymous Q and a where we didn't know who wrote the questions. We just answered the questions that were given to us. And my experiences and my counsel literally saved her life. Mm -hmm. And now she is actually married in the temple with a couple of
0: kids now. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, Tell me about how this has, how, how all of this has helped you turn to your savior.
1: It was, it's, it was all about trusting in myself. And letting myself open up to that love. Um, I was, I was terrified of feeling Christ's love because I felt like it'll be too much for me to handle or it would not be enough. But during that trial in my life, I, um, it was the Book of Mormon and the music that was put up by the church during that time that really Help me turn more towards Jesus Christ and feel that love, that peace that I need during trying times. I still struggle with my own trying times, but I've learned to just solely rely on Him and letting go of the things that I thought were important, but end up not being important at all. It was more important for me to have that relationship with the savior because I was willing through that song of even when you're broken from EFY that was the start of me turning more towards Christ and having an open relationship with him with everything I was going through
0: Sarah maybe just kind of wrapping up here what do you say to the young woman or the young man who is you when you were 13 or 14 years old? And maybe maybe they either just got that text that says, hey, you shouldn't even be here. Why don't you just do us all a favor? Or they just came home from the youth activity where for the 15th time in a row, the knucklehead in the back rows whispering dumb things in their ear. You know what I mean? What do you say to that person?
1: First step I would give, there are three steps that I would give that I've received in my life. One of them, talk to a leader. That is number one. Number two, especially if it's Young, men's, young Men, Young Women's president, or even the bishop, have them know what's going on. They want to help the youth. They don't know how if you are not honest with them and with yourself of what you're feeling don't be afraid of asking a blessing from a worthy Melchizedek Greece and holder that is the greatest place and the greatest opportunity to truly know what God needs you to know in your life it may start off with Know that you know that Heavenly Father loves you and is aware of you, or even starts with Jesus Christ knows you and He wants you to turn to Him. Those blessings can and will open your eyes as they have mine. And the last thing: if you're living near a temple or you're not. Seek Christ in a prayer and just kneel and start speaking out loud. That is when he's the closest is when you truly open up your heart. Not the classic. Help me feel this. Help me feel this. But just express. I am struggling. I want to fit in, but I don't know if I truly fit in here. Seeking him in that. Can truly help you as it has helped me
0: many years in my life, yeah, I love that mm-hmm. and although i I haven't had your personal experience, but perhaps seeing it from a different angle you know to that to that young mm-hmm. person, I would say first of all, don't believe what they're saying that's not mm-hmm. the that's not the teachings of the church. Unfortunately, that may be the small pocket of culture that you find yourself in. That's not the teachings of Christ, and it's not the teachings of the church. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about you got to tell somebody. You got to get your parents involved. You got to get your leaders involved. I love how you said your leaders want to help, but they don't know how. To. You know, Unfortunately, we we wish our leaders were omniscient. They're not. We wish mm-hmm. our leaders knew every conversation and every micro relationship of what's going on in their youth organization. Unfortunately, they don't. And if, if you don't tell them they can't help.
1: They're not going to know until it's too late.
0: I got to know. And I
1: was too late on my mission once and I didn't save a person's life. And I wish I did.
0: Mhm. Yeah. So just please, please, please do not believe the messages that you're hearing. If something doesn't make you feel valuable and close to the Savior, it comes from the adversary, period. It does. And so whether that's one of your peers texting that to you or whether that's the voice inside your own head, that doesn't come from God. Yeah. So please talk to somebody. Is there anything else you'd say in closing? Um, just
1: know that. Whatever happens in your life, God gave you talents and gifts for a reason. And that you are created in His image. He designed you to accomplish the impossible that others may not be able to do in their life. Use those gifts. If you have a gift of music, share it with people. If you have the gift of kindness, Share that with other people. What you have in your heart will leave such a huge imprint in everyone's lives. And ultimately, when you leave this earth, you will be, you will be remembered based on who you were as a child of God. Not of what, what that you were going through, but how you overcame those and how you came to treat
0: people. Perfect. I love it. Thanks again for taking time on your Sunday to talk with us and (laughs) and share your experiences. That's it's not easy to open up like that. I hope that um I hope that the young women that you grew up with uh have also grown Mm -hmm. and that they can be a positive influence to their their peers and their daughters and and we all need forgiveness. And we've all done dumb stuff. So thanks again, Sierra. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me.